2: Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome to an
1: encore episode of Inside Julia's Kitchen. I'm Todd Shulkin. To celebrate the return of Max's Julia scripted series, starring Sarah Lancashire as Julia, David Hyde Pierce as Paul, we're sharing past episodes taking you behind the scenes. We thought you might enjoy listening to them again, or for the first time, in advance of Season 2's launch, only on Max on November 16th. Better yet, if you didn't see season one, it's a perfect time to catch up so you're ready to enjoy season two. Without further ado, here's my conversation with the creator of the Julia scripted series, Daniel Goldfarb, and actress Fiona Glasgow, who plays Judith Jones. Welcome to Inside Julia's Kitchen, the podcast the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. I'm your host, Todd Shulkin, the Foundation's Executive Director. Our show takes you inside the Foundation's world to meet the talented people we have the great fortune of learning from all the time. On today's show, we welcome writer Daniel Goldfarb and actress Fiona Glasgow. In this episode, we'll talk to Daniel and Fiona all about HBO Max's new television series, Julia, and we'll get another double Julia moment. Stay with us. We'll be right back. As always, we launch the conversation with an inspiration from Julia. Ah, France. The story of Julia's love affair with France always makes people sigh wistfully. Who doesn't dream about hopping a flight to Paris after watching Meryl Streep play Julia? Boston? Probably not the same impulse. But that may be about to change. While people continue to find Julia's life story inspiring, they tend to get caught up, if not lost, in the part about France. While Julia's return to the U.S. may be less romantic than her time abroad, one can argue her time in Cambridge was an equally important part of her life and a more important part of her impact on American culture. When Julia made her public television debut on Boston's WGBH, it marked a pretty big turning point, not only in Julia's life, but for America too. When filming for The French Chef began in 1962, America was changing. Public television was still in its infancy. The French Chef was one of its first shows to go national, and its tenure spanned the Civil Rights Movement and the Vietnam War. With these high-stakes events broadcast right into American living rooms, television began to impact public policy and foster societal change. It seems long overdue we put Julia's rise to fame in context. Joining us today are two people who have immersed themselves in the French chef part of Julia's story, writer Daniel Goldfarb and actress Fiona Glasgow. Daniel is the creator and executive producer of HBO Max's new eight-episode series, Julia, which focuses on when Julia became a television star and the man behind the woman, her husband, Paul. Julia is played by BAFTA award-winning actress Sarah Lancashire, who you may recognize from The Last Tango in Halifax or Happy Valley. Paul is played by David Hyde Pierce and B.B. Newworth plays Avis DeVoto, Julia's great champion. Guest stars include Isabella Rossellini as Simca, James Cromwell as Julia's father, Big John, and Judith Light as legendary publisher Blanche Knopf. Fran Kranz plays Russ Marash and Brittany Bradford and Jefferson Mays round out the cast. Fiona Glasgow plays Julia's legendary editor, Judith Jones. Judith played an outsized role in Julia's career as friend, confidant, and cheerleader-in-chief, as well as being an influential book editor in her own right. Prior to creating Julia, Daniel wrote for Amazon Studios' The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, winning a WGA Award and garnering Emmy, Golden Globe, and PGA Award nominations. He's written for Apple's Little Voice and FX's Tyrant, where he collaborated with Chris Kaiser, who also executive produces Julia. In addition to television, Daniel is a playwright, librettist, and teacher. His most recent play, Men's Health, is available on Audible, starring Tony Shalhoub and Santino Fontana. Daniel's plays have been produced at esteemed venues from the Williamstown Theater Festival to Playwrights Horizons and the Manhattan Theater Club. His musicals include Martin Short, Fame Becomes Me, which ran on Broadway. Hailing from Toronto and a Juilliard graduate, Daniel also teaches dramatic writing at NYU's Tisch School of the Arts, of which he is also an alum. Fiona Glascott has appeared in numerous stage film and television roles, perhaps best known for playing Rose opposite Sher Ronan in the film Brooklyn and Matt LeBlanc's ex-wife in Showtime's episodes, one of my favorite shows. She's also a member of the expanding Harry Potterverse, playing young Professor McGonagall opposite Jude Law's Dumbledore in the franchise's spin-off Fantastic Beasts, the next installment of which will be in theaters this year. She's appeared in numerous stage productions, including at the Royal Court Theatre and the Old Vic. A native of Ireland, she was born in Waterford, where the crystal comes from, which now seems somewhat fortuitous. Julia, produced by Three Arts Entertainment for Lionsgate Television, is now streaming only on HBO Max. New episodes appear weekly with the final episode of the season on May 5th. Full disclosure, I'm a consulting producer on the show on behalf of the Foundation. Daniel and Fiona join us for a behind-the-scenes look and to share their perspective on Julia's legacy. Welcome to the podcast, Daniel and Fiona. Uh, thank you.
3: Hi. <laughs> great to be here.
1: Yeah, I'm so happy we can have this conversation and very happy that Julia is finally after all this time and getting through the pandemic shared with uh, the public. So Daniel, let's start with you. And and just tell me, uh, tell us more about what drew you to making a show about Julia in the first place. And why did it feel like the right moment in
4: time to do it? Well, I have always loved food. I love cooking. I love going to restaurants. I read obsessively about food when i was young my mother wrote a cookbook so i come from a family that loved food and i got really lucky as you know todd you and kimberly harver cooked up this idea to do a show about julia and i was in los angeles for a few weeks during award season with the marvelous mrs mazel i had written a pilot called genesis which was about an older couple trying to have a child and their relationship with their surrogate and Kimberly read my pilot and really loved the way it explored a marriage, a mature marriage. And I got to meet her and we had coffee and we talked about Julia and I told her about my love for food. And she told me, you know, what you guys were thinking. And I sort of tried to add something to the mix and I crossed my fingers and I hoped she'd choose me. And thank goodness she did. <laughs> so I got really, really lucky. And then, you know, I knew Julia, of course, and I have course had seen Julia and Julia and my mother had all the cookbooks and cooked from them when I was growing up and I'd seen the Saturday Night Live sketch with Dan Aykroyd but I was by no means like I had not immersed myself in the French chef I didn't grow up watching it the way Chris grew up watching it and so once I got the job it was really about immersing myself in Julia and it was you know like what Better assignment could someone have? She's just delightful, and that sort of answers her second question. I think there's something timeless about her. She is um, her her sense of rolling up her sleeves and working hard and doing it with joy and passion and having a you know an appetite for life and a zest for living. And she's sensual and she's fun and she has a great sense of humor and. You know, as, again, Todd, as you know, we did all of this pre-pandemic, and then in the last two years, everybody has been, you know, starting their sourdough starter and <laughs> cooking and reading about food. So that, so it feels like it was this fortuitous, this is the perfect moment to do a food show, but it, it, it actually is more kind of luck than that. And there's just something timeless about Julia. There is no, it's always a good time to do a show about Julia.
1: That, that's a great explanation of it. Yes, let's take credit for more of the forethought than just being uber fans who thought it'd be fun, right? Um, so maybe you can also characterize, because obviously this is also not planned, but there's a lot of Julia content that ended up coming out in 2022 or starting in 2021, which we never expected, especially to coincide. What can audiences expect to discover in this show In your show that that hasn't
4: been explored before about julia on screen well we you know because a documentary is all sort of public uh footage it's all footage that julia was conscious that she was being recorded and in in the movie which i love it covers a 15 year period of time and it's only half the movie so you're really get hitting all the major biographical moments of julia's we cover less than a year and we have eight hours to do it. So it just gave us this opportunity to show the private side of Julia and the kind of interior Julia. And she's still delightful and daffy and full of life and is inspiring, but we also get to see a little bit of her fragility, a little bit of her insecurity, which I think only makes her seem that much stronger and more uh, unsinkable. And then, of course, we have Sarah Lancashire, who is, I think, one of the greatest actors in the world, bringing her to life and giving her a sort of authority and a gravity and a weight. And, of course, everything that we know about Julia and uh, that sort of comedy and spirit and energy. And she sort of but she gives Julia a kind of centeredness um, where I think you get to see a private Julia. And that, I think, is unique to our show.
1: No, and yes, I can still rem- remember the moment when Kimberly said, what do you think about Sarah Lancashire? And I just was like, absolutely yes. Um, for a lot of reasons that I think uh, audiences will discover. She's a phenomenal actress and, you know, has her own unique approach to this role, which I also think is really interesting because she wasn't someone who came from a background of being steeped in in Julia since she's British and and on the younger side as well. So speaking of phenomenal actresses, I want to turn to Fiona, who plays the wonderful Judith Jones, who has, is kind of a niche figure and certainly hasn't been captured in, in mainstream media and brought to life before that, I, that I'm aware of, and wasn't even interviewed that much because it wasn't her favorite thing. So Fiona, how, how even familiar were you with both Judith's story and had you even heard about Judith Jones or her amazing career when, when you were approached for the role?
3: No, I hadn't. And that was one of the most extraordinary things about reading the script and and playing this part is this woman achieved so much in her life. Any one of her achievements would be an extraordinary life lived. But she not only translated Camus and Satra, she was John Updike's um, editor and Anne Tyler's just among that two of so many legendary, you know, giants of the literary world. But she brought Anne Frank over to America. She convinced Doubleday, who she was working with at the time, to publish this story. She came across Anne Frank in a reject pile. Her job was to go through the books and write back to people, I presume. And she was captivated by that picture that we all know. Read it cover to cover straight away, and convinced Doubleday they had to do this. This is she did all of this. She then went to work with Knopf as Blanche Knopf's. Um, you know, she went to work with her as her assistant, but is this extraordinary editor? But loved food and loved French food, and was in France at the time Julia and Paul were there. Happened they never met, just happened to be there at the time, and, and had been looking for. A, a cookbook like this it's it, you know it's like she manifested it <laughs> manifested yeah, yeah. each other and one day this as Judith has said and written this tome landed on her desk and she really had to fight to get Knopf to publish this she wasn't senior enough to go into the the board meetings and convinced a more senior editor to fight her case and she made it really really important that uh, they should edit, they should they should publish this book, and um, and that's what happened. And then this love affair with Julia began, and with food writing, and it continued then for Judith with other um, cultures: Lydia Bastianich, Ina Garten, Edna Lewis, all of these people. And she she had this uh, culinary side of publishing along with her literary side herself, and. Uh, You know, what's extraordinary about Judith is, you're right, there aren't a huge amount of interviews, but what there are, are a few interviews on YouTube of her later in her life. And that is something that I found gave me a real grasp of who she was on the inside, the essence of her, because as well as this extreme intelligence and stunning drive, and amazing life lived. She was so warm and generous and interested in other people, and I think it's her huge love of life and lust for life it is 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 very like um, Julia Child. You know, they they believed in eating together with people, and Judith used to take her editor I'm sorry her authors out for lunch all the time always to you know the best restaurants and she would gather people to her house she would bring authors and their mothers and their children she would bring them to Vermont she was a big believer in getting people together and she would she would introduce her authors to each other too she 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 wasn't just you know, put everybody in different boxes. She wanted people to get together. She wanted to celebrate food and words and life. And that's something that I feel so lucky, and we're all so lucky that we can we can see get a little bit of her in her in her interviews. And of course, she wrote a wonderful memoir as well.
1: Well, I I can see that you you are very well steeped in in, in Judas biography and story and and I agree I mean the the significance she had on the canon of literature and cookbooks in America I mean basically cannot be understated. I mean, right back to the Diary of Anne Frank being one of the most significant works ever published. But what's interesting, I didn't know Judith well, but I knew her a little bit. And I, I think everything you said, I don't disagree with one thing. But I also think she was, you know, she was quite petite and was not someone who, you know, walked into a room and everyone was like, whoa, Judith's here. She was quite quiet, but she also was steely and tough as nails in many ways. And I was just curious, how did you kind of approach beyond just the biography, your portrayal of, of the woman in the context of this fictionalized show?
3: Well, getting the opportunity to see her speak was very helpful because uh, clearly getting to where she did at that time as a woman a tiny woman <laughs> but you're right she was a very tiny woman she was and she was interested in other people and supporting other people but someone like that needs tenacity and steel and intelligence and a very she's a very good strong self feeling of self-worth and self-esteem but the the interviews just gave me a little sense of her wit and her warmth and her, all of that together with clearly the woman that she had to be to get where she did in her work made an incredibly well-rounded person. And, you know, it's interesting what you said about her, you know, she's not bursting. She's not like Julia. You I mean, you can't miss Julia when she walks into <laughs> a room and nor should you. Yeah. She's, in, she's in every way. She's fabulous. But Judith is fabulous in a different way in 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 a quieter way but in a way that she's watchful she's she sees things she's she's in, interested she she doesn't she's i've got the feeling from all the research i did on her and watching her is that she's she's very comfortable in her own skin and in her work and in her position in life and doesn't need to not that Julia I'm not saying that Julia needed to go in and be like that she just was that person and Judith Jones is equally very comfortable in her own skin to be that person as well and all all that you know huge intelligence and wit warmth and tenacity and hard work is all there but it doesn't need to be shown you know she just she just is they 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 are women i i feel are just very comfortable in their skin and have a huge amount in common but are sort of on distant different uh, they're sort of poles apart but they're the same kind of from on the same pole you know what i mean one is much more outgoing and then one is 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 not, she's not exactly introverted but she's just quiet and i suppose as an editor um and and supporting authors and other people's creative work you you think you you probably she probably wanted to be the person that wasn't the star because the the author's the star you know needed to be comfortable to be who they wanted to be with judith and i think that she gave them that
1: yes as julia would have said she had the courage of her convictions for sure
3: yes absolutely
1: so the show closely follows Julia's life, but as Daniel mentioned, it's not a documentary, it's not a biopic, it's not a docu-series, and, and by deliberate design, because we were looking to explore it, it in a narrower time frame more of the, the inner life and imagining what that could be. But even still, Daniel, how how did you and the other writers decide when you would and wouldn't change history?
4: So Chris and I always said we were doing... Uh The Amadeus version of Julia Child Amadeus is the great play and movie by Peter Schaffer, who meticulously researched Mozart but then crafted a drama around his life and when people asked him about it, he said, "Well, I read between the lines, and I stand by my interpretation um and we sort of feel the same way. I read you know as many as much as I could. I read a bunch of the Julia biographies I watched countless hours of Julia on television, on The French Chef, on David Letterman, on Good Morning America. I read her interviews. I read her letters. I went to Schlesinger Library and read her letters. And then we tried to honor the facts of the biography. You know, Julia was invited to go on I've Been Reading. Sales had diminished for mastering. That is all true. At the last minute, Julia decided to make an omelette. That is true. So we followed the fact, and from there, the idea of doing a show, What that is true. And she wrote a letter proposing the show to GBH, and they got 27 fan letters. That's all true. So we tried to honor the facts of the biography. But then within those facts, we tried to figure out what life was like behind closed doors. We know the Childs didn't own a television until the French chef was on television. We know that Paul was essentially a private person and was a little bit of a snob about kind of mainstream pop culture. So it felt like from all the research and information we had gathered, we could craft this story.
1: No, and I think that comes across so well. I think what I said to you and Chris as I started seeing the scripts is, oh yeah, some of the details are not exactly what happened. Or the, a lot of them are what happened, but you've changed the order for dramatic effect. Like I like to say, you brought Big John back to life when he was actually already dead. Right. But just by a couple months, yeah. Exactly. But Well, but he would have not been able to fly to Boston. all Of, of it. But But <laughs> the reason you did it is so effective and I think so lovely. And, and, and that's what I think people will find when they watch it, that regardless of the, the differences from history, it 100% hones to the spirit of both Julia's story and also Julia and Paul and the other characters and how they,
4: you know, approached the world and approached life and interacted with each other. Well, Todd, actually, just because you brought it up, when you read episode three, which was uh, beautifully written by Ebony Booth, you were you wrote to Chris and I about Big John and that you were so excited that we dramatized that relationship and I think we were very true to what all the research we did about that relationship and the complexity of that relationship and and but that was I, I knew we knew we were taking a bit of a leap with that visit and when you wrote us and said oh I'm so happy you guys got him in there and you got that relationship in there uh, it was. Anyway, it felt like a wonderful validation for us to keep moving forward.
1: Yes, and crossing my fingers, that'll also come through from the Mick Williams family, but we'll, we'll find out. Regardless, dramatically, it works really well. So after the break, we'll be back with more from writer Daniel Goldfarb and actress Fiona Glasgow talking about the new HBO Max television series, Julia.
2: Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City, Long Island, and Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com.
1: Welcome back. We're talking to writer Daniel Goldfarb and actress Fiona Glascott about the making of the new HBO Max eight-episode series, Julia. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, Julia's husband, Paul, is played by David Hyde Pierce, and Julia's BFF Avis Devoto is played by Bibi Newworth. So Fiona, those are kind of certainly legendary television actresses, and they also, like you, have, have a big theater um, body of work. And I was just curious, just because I'm a huge Frasier fan, loved every single <laughs> episode. They were two of my favorite characters. So I have to ask you what it was like to play opposite them.
3: It was amazing. It was amazing. Um, yeah, it was just, it was just thrilling. And also they're, they're two great people, you know, they're fun and they're lovely and they get on really, I mean, they get on great. They're friends. They've been friends for years. So that was just so exciting, just exciting, just fabulous, you know, And but also the fact that they're just, they're just great. Aren't they, Daniel? They're just sort of great people. So yeah, I love we, just had a, we had such a great time. You know,
1: so it wasn't hard, though, because I assume they have an acting shorthand from having so many hours of being on set together or they're such lovely people. They just embraced you into the fold.
3: They just embraced everybody. But I I think um, I mean, I have I have, you know, one on ones with David uh, which is great, and I'm uh, in scenes with both of them. But I I didn't have huge amounts of scenes with them. Most of my most of my stuff is with Judith Light, who's another legend. That was extraordinary as well.
1: Yes, we did a little victory dance when when they told us that they were bringing oh. Judith Light into the show. It's So good.
3: Oh my god, I danced every morning I was working with her, with her wow. as well. She's fabulous. Yeah. But um, David and Bibi, you know, they are um, they just they just walk into a room and we're all in it together, you know, that's, that's the kind of people that they are and the kind of actors they are. They're, they're, the, they're the real deal, you know? So they just welcomed everybody with open arms and, you know, they could have been, you know what I mean? They're just fantastic people, yeah. great actors. And so used to being in a, in a, in a, in a team. And so used to doing a lot of theater. And I think when you're used to doing a lot of theater, you are, you are working in a team all the time and, and, they really enjoy that. So, well, I don't want to speak for them, but they look like they were enjoying it. So. <laughs> I certainly did.
4: And, and, you know, Bibi was a guest on Fraser, but she wasn't, you know, she was a regular on Cheers. So like they're both connected to Fraser, and she did a couple episodes of Frasier every year, but it wasn't like she had worked 10 years week in week out with David. Uh, I think she had a wonderful shorthand with her, with him and they, clearly adore each other and they're both kind of legends in the New York theater community. And I think they've, and they both after their television success, basically chose to live in New York and have a life in the theater. So they share that, um, that love. And that really comes through uh, in terms of how they, um, their history with each other.
1: Yes, no, and thank you, you're right. I'm I'm conflating different shows that are related into more, more time. Everyone so, does, including us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's important. I'm glad you did that. Um, and um Fiona, I was curious too. Obviously, um, I'm guessing you were more familiar than maybe American audiences with Sarah Lancashire's work, was and and obviously you had a lot of scenes with with, with Sarah playing Julia. What was that like?
3: Oh my gosh, I mean it was a dream come true. I've watched Sarah for years, years. She's she's one of the best actresses I've ever seen in my life. And is it was just thrilling to think I was going to be working with her. And then, so lovely to do so, you know? such She's such a hard worker, she's so brilliant, she's so prepared, and she's so open when you're working together, and, and we had a great time. So it's, it, this has been a total joy for me. And I think it will be for other people, I hope, when they watch it. I just think it's a joyful show.
1: Well, I think that that's what we always feel at the foundation, that Julia just, there's so much about her persona and her story that, and even with its ups and downs, because it has so many triumphs eventually, that it brings joy. And and I think in the present moment in time, joy and more joy is, is actually much in demand and needed.
3: I agree. But, you know, also I I what I feel... Watching it, particularly, um, when I watched it, is is the relationship between David and Sarah. It's so real and beautiful and beautiful for the fact that it's not perfect as well. And that really draws you in and, and gets the, the moments when things are lovely and sweet, even sweeter, you know? I just thought it was wonderful.
1: Well, and I think that's really nice to bring back to life because I think that... The number of people who were present when when Paul, um, because he was so much older than Julia, and then had a um, it wasn't exactly a stroke, but but an issue with his heart, and then was in a diminished capacity for for a good portrayal to be able to recreate something that that only certain people experienced and 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 witnessed back to life is really really lovely.
3: Yeah.
1: So while Julia is certainly the center of the action. You know, as we're talking to Fiona about her role playing Judith Jones, who's an important character both in reality and in the series, the, the cast is really, really well fleshed out. It's almost bordering on ensemble. So, Daniel, what, 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 and how did the writing team approach selecting the characters for Julia's life to be in the series?
4: Well, something that I loved when I was doing the research and and you know talking with Chris about the research and. Crafting the pilot was just that Julia was, as everyone knows, an extraordinary person. But she sort of surrounded herself with other extraordinary people. Um, and everyone on the show is sort of aspirational. And I actually feel like you could do a show called Judith, and you could do a show called Paul, and you could do a show called Russ, and you could do a show called Alice, and you could do a show called Avis. They're all they're all just extraordinary, amazing. Uh, people that just took full advantage of, of their time. Um, they There's not a lazy bone among any of them. And so that was thrilling. And so for me, uh, you know, there were the obvious ones. Obviously, Paul was going to be on the show. And obviously, the sort of the, the workplace environment of WGBH was going to be on the show. So we knew that there was going to be Alice. We knew there was going to be Russ. We knew we'd eventually get to Hunter. Uh, and then and then we just needed to figure out who were some allies of Julia's, uh, in, you know, women. And Julia's relationship with Avis is incredible to me. Fascinating the way it started, that they were pen pals for a decade, that she's the one who got mastering to Knopf, that she's the one who found them their home. So Avis felt like she's basically their next-door neighbor. That felt like an obvious one. And then Judith, the more I read about her, the more inspired I was by her. And uh, we knew she was a slightly trickier character to add into the show because she lives in New York and everyone else is in Boston. But it felt like we needed someone formidable, um, someone to sort of interact with Julia, someone that Julia and Paul were sort of in awe of as well as like adored and um so it just sort of it just sort of happened by rolling up my sleeves and starting to figure it out and then calling chris and discussing with chris and and that's how it was born but there are other characters you know there are characters in her life there are other women in boston like dorothy zinberg who has a small recurring role on the show and uh, other women that sort of became part of Julia's, as we call it in the show, her confederacy of women that like helped her make this show. Um, and hopefully, you know, that the world of that will continue to to bloom if we if we're lucky enough to keep doing this.
1: And do you want to just make a comment about what happened to to Ruth Lockwood?
4: Yes. So um, Ruth Lockwood has become Alice Naaman. And... Um, and it was it was complicated. It wasn't it wasn't an easy choice to make. Uh, you know, I I was inspired by Ruth Lockwood, and when we originally started writing it, it was Ruth Lockwood. But it just felt like that we had an opportunity. There were Alice Namens at WGBH at WNET in public television, and it felt like an opportunity to make the show sort of a little bit bigger and talk about a little bit more because so much about the show is about cultural changes happening in the 60s in the United States. And it felt like there was this blind spot in the show because all the characters in Julia's immediate orbit, you know, in the research were white. And it felt like by making, by sort of crafting this young Black woman in Alice, it felt like a way that we could honor the truth of women like her that were at WGBH and still honor Ruth and her contribution, but sort of give the show, I think, just a little bit more scope and a little bit more depth and um, and speak a little bit more to an audience for today.
1: Thanks. Well... I'm going to switch gears a little bit because uh, we are not a Hollywood podcast, but a a food podcast. And so we should at least talk about the food, which is gorgeous on screen, will absolutely make you hungry. And I've noticed in a lot of press there are warnings about, you know, make sure you don't watch on an empty stomach or have things ready. (laughs) And so, Fiona, I have to ask her, like, what did you eat on set?
3: Oh, God, anything I, I could get my hands on. <laughs> I was so lucky to have a couple of, ep- of um, episodes where we had this amazing chicken one time and then I had fantastic Chinese food. But, you know, Christine, who was our food designer, I think, I don't know. If, I
1: yep, Christine Tobin, yeah.
3: That's right. She was so fabulous in that kitchen on the studio floor and she would just be cooking all day and she was so welcoming, loved food loved people and you could just go by and whatever they were cooking they would share and at the end of the day, whatever they cooked they would just hand out to the crew and the cast and whoever else wanted it because obviously they had to make multiples for filming. So um, it was one of the best things about the show. It just was fabulous and she makes it look so beautiful and it is delicious and all of it's Julia Childs Um, recipes all of them are aren't they
4: yes uh christine really was she was she didn't want to cheat She wanted she wanted to really honor the original julia recipe so what julia was cooking was something that julia actually cooked back then
1: well and i wanted to say i'm thinking back daniel to kimberly and i being on set together on a different show with um during COVID, which had much more restricted craft services than usual. And how amazingly lucky, did you
4: guys get a pass on COVID restrictions because it was integral to the production of the show? I mean, our COVID restrictions were very strict. We were tested three times a week. There were different zones in terms of who was allowed on set and who was allowed to interact with who. Um, But somehow... I guess once you got on set and you had your negative <laughs> test and you had your everything, the craft services table, I mean, the craft services table had all, whatever, all the wrapped stuff and the LaCroix water and the candy bars. But, you know, we would make, for example, like the Queen of Sheba cake. And there's a there's a shot in the pilot where she slices through it. And we shot that scene multiple times. So all of a sudden, there were a half a dozen Queen of Sheba cakes on the craft service table. So. <laughs> Great. And, and do you think,
1: yeah, I was going to say, do you think that helped particularly the cast be in the spirit of the, like, that not only visually did it add the authenticity, but that it, it sort of infused the, the, the experience?
4: Well, it's very true to the French chef. That's what Julia did also. That's what, I mean, in the research, what you read is at the end of the episode, everyone kind of dug in and there were, and, and the stuff that was par-cooked, uh, Russ Morash would take home. And that's how sort of Marion Marash like learned to cook with the par-cooked food from the French chef. So it feels like very true to the spirit of Julia. Um, and yes, it was really fun. And Christine, like there's a story where, you know, in episode six, uh, Julia makes sweetbreads. And Brittany and Fiona, were you part of this too?
3: Yes, um, I was.
4: <laughs> yeah, they had never had sweetbreads. So so Christine made them sweetbreads, like just for fun. So we had this incredible industrial kitchen <laughs> on set that you never saw them. She just like, she just cooked for people. She was really wonderful. Um,
3: she was extraordinary. And she, when we, when, and Fran and Brittany and I, she cooked for the three of us and we went in and God, it was so delicious. And then they were teaching us how to cook it. Which was great. Were then, you already
1: a sweet beds fan, or had you was that one of your no, first times having them as well?
3: That was my first time as well. But I'm a, I'm definitely a fan now, especially if Christine's cooking it. And she but she was wonderful because then she had some left and she was like, Well, why don't you take it home and you can cook it with this and that? You know, it was a real love of food and and the love of not wasting, which I love, which is fantastic, and of sharing that that that. Julia essence was there the whole time wasn't it Daniel in the kitchen and it's lovely really lovely
1: well and I'm struck actually in this conversation my father-in-law who was a a friend of Julia's and um a a buddy of Paul's and and very much a man in the same image he loves sweetbreads and I remember he would order them whenever he could and they seem like they're good and I think they really they're a very French food that, that that there is much more commonplace. And for those who don't know, they're actually like basically a sauteed gland. Um, so uh, but you can easily acquire a taste for them. So I was curious from both of you just so far We're we're three episodes in what um, feedback um, have you gotten so far or what kind of feeling are you getting or what people are telling you now that the show is out in the world? Uh, Fiona, maybe do you want to start?
3: Yeah, um I've I've just heard really positive things. People are really loving it and we had a junket where we spoke to lots of journalists and every single one of them were so positive about it. It's 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 really exciting. I'm really happy.
1: And Daniel, or I'll give you the opportunity without getting too spit. Are there any reviewers though so far that you'd like to sort of clap back at?
3: No,
4: I mean I I feel I, I'm careful with the reviews. I don't wanna sort of read them. I get the gist of them and then kind of
3: <laughs> Me too.
4: But I know that we're we're doing really well. And um you know, I, I'm so, you know, we're a hundred percent certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes and it feels good. It feels like um everyone for the most part gets the spirit of the show. And, uh, and that's been wonderful. And I've been hearing, you know, this weekend has been really exciting because I feel like I've been hearing from people. Uh, I've been hearing from people I went to high school with. I've been uh, hearing from former students of mine and colleagues of mine from the theater community and people that, you know, I know don't have to reach out. And it's been every couple hours, there's like a, something in my, uh, in my mailbox. So it's been, it feels like people are finding the show. It feels like, um, you know, there's so much content out there. You never know if something can break through and it. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that we are breaking through.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I have the same feeling, but yeah, it's good to have the, the, the verification and, and, um, we're looking, we're looking forward, I, I think, to everyone else seeing the, the rest of the, the season. And, you know, I think what I've seen so far echoes what you both said. And I feel like the show only gains steam and power as you get invested in the characters as they are in the show and their storylines. And it, it um, I think uh, the journey of joy uh, will continue. All right. After the break, we're going to get another double Julia moment. We've had a lot of them this season. Get in touch, send us an email or a voice memo to contact at juliachildfoundation.org or better yet, you can tweet us at juliachildjcf and let us know what you think about today's show. And you can even let us know if you're watching Julia, what you think about Julia. Check out the companion podcast, to Dishing on Julia. It's hosted by our friend Carrie Diamond from Cherry Bomb, and it features conversations with special guests from the show and also from the wider food world. It's available on HBO Max's YouTube channel and wherever you find your podcasts. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
2: When you flip anything, you really, you just have to have the courage of your convictions, particularly if it's sort of a loose mass like this. Well, that didn't go very well. See, when I flipped it, I didn't, I didn't have the courage to do it the way I should have. But you can always pick it up, and if you're alone in the kitchen, who is going to see?
1: From Julia's immortal words, we move into our last segment, which we call the Julia Moment. Here's when we ask our guests to share their favorite Julia memory, moment, or how she'd inspired them in their careers. Today, we're really challenging our guests because they've been living very large Julia moments already, but we're going to ask them to condense it down
4: into one. Daniel, what's your Julia moment? Um, okay, one Julia moment. This is actually a, a very small Julia moment, but Sarah Lancashire sent me like a, a YouTube of she. I think it was Dick Cavett. I forget now who it was, but... They had called her. They were interviewing her, and she was on the phone. And as she was talking, you heard her turn the, the page of the newspaper, and you could tell <laughs> She was like reading the newspaper while she was interviewed. It was so hilarious. Um, but there's just that. It, it's, it's less about cooking and more just about, like, joy and energy. And there are a million moments like that.
1: That's lovely. No, and I think we found like in doing the Julia Child challenge with the home cooks, um this didn't actually end up on screen, but they used the quotes from uh many quotes of Julia and you realize that Julia also had this whole thing she was like a life coach before there was life coaches and that was that I mean yes it related sometimes to cooking but it also related to these things she said. And actually, when she said them, it was mostly in public appearances. It wasn't stuff she wrote. It was things when she got interviewed by uh, Dick Cavett. And, and I think for those, he's maybe less famous or less present in the public consciousness than David Letterman. But Julia on Dick Cavett is some of the best stuff. They had the best conversations and rapport. So I love that you added that one. All right, Fiona, what's your Julia moment?
3: Um, Well, I didn't, I never didn't really know much about Julia until I started this. I had heard of her. But what I did know was one of her sayings, which is people who love to eat are always the best people. And uh, I stand by that myself, too.
1: Yes, no. And I think, uh, hopefully, that 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 was maybe part of the criteria on on set, Daniel, everyone had to be a food person
4: or, or, or you made some exceptions. We made a few exceptions, <laughs> but for the most part, we have a lot of uh, amazing food people on set.
1: Well, thank you both for your contributions to, um, to cinema and to Julia's legacy and to joining us today on
4: Inside Julia's Kitchen.
3: Thank, thank you. you so
4: much for having us, Todd. Yeah,
3: thanks, Todd.
4: And thank you for cooking up this idea with Kimberly.
3: Yes, We're thank so you. <laughs>
1: my sincere pleasure i do and just so everyone knows it was cooked up over lunch on the south beverly grill um so uh fittingly it was uh, done the right way oh fantastic um yes i don't remember what we're eating though i don't think that was very exciting um <laughs> <laughs> but it is a place that a lot of a lot of uh, shows and content were created Anyway, thanks, everyone, for joining us and listening, and thank you if you're already watching, Julia, and thank you if you start watching, Julia. It streams on HBO Max. It's at HBO Max on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more content, and you can also go to hbomax.com to find out more if you're not already a subscriber. Make sure to follow the Foundation for all the latest. It's at Julia Child on Facebook and at Julia Child Foundation on Instagram. It's at Julia Child JCF, and I'm at T Shulkin on Twitter. Tickets are now on sale for the 2022 Taste of Santa Barbara. Go to sbce.events to get yours. Please join us to eat and drink our way across Santa Barbara County, May 16th to 22nd. And do follow at SB Culinary Experience on Instagram for updates. Please rate the show and leave us a review if you haven't already. The Julia Child audio clip from The French Chef is used with permission from our friends at WGBH. Thanks to my co-producer at the foundation, Lauren Salkeld, and our sound engineer at Heritage Radio Network, Matt Patterson. Our theme song is New French Horn by Novi Valtorney. We're on the air on Heritage Radio Network on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, with downloads available soon after wherever you find your podcasts. We look forward to bringing you back into the Foundations world next time on Inside Julia's Kitchen. Inside Julia's Kitchen is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.